I think it's time to get sweaty. I think it is. Don't make pig noses at me. Just polishing my tip with my <laughs> nose. Uh, so, a uh, hundred years of the raincoat? Yeah. <sighs> That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about this pornography thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's... Uh, I've been doing some research, like market research, and seeing like what all the popular podcasts are. Yeah. And I'm noticing a trend that if we really want to make some money and dig our way out of this ditch, that we need to pivot. And we're going to make a hard pivot today on this special 100th episode to true crime. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I can follow along with you there. Maybe yeah. we can find something in the world of true crime that yeah. uh, tickles our fancies. Yeah, something under... We need to find something... Underreported, under it's underexposed. There's a lot of stuff out there today. There's a lot of content out there. Well, we, we can't do you know the Manson family. Can't do the, any the, any of those guys. The Night Stalker, right? Those are all off the table. We really got to dig. We got to <laughs> find someone in our niche. Someone whose crimes are as depraved as these past 99 episodes have been <laughs> so well, uh get on your little google machine over there and start typing typing everything i just said and tell <laughs> word us what for movie, word and tell us what movie we're going to talk about or tell us what no we're not doing movies tell us what criminal scumbag we're gonna <laughs> put on the we're getting we're gonna get them in the dock in the dock yeah that's where they put you Oh yeah, you know, like and uh, on trial. Yes, and we're gonna fry that motherfucker <laughs> once we judge him guilty. Well, when it comes to the crimes of the past that uh, haven't been exposed much, why not talk about Michael Kenyon? Uh, who who is Michael Kenyon? Uh, Michael Kenyon is the so-called Illinois enema bandit. Now, he he stole enemas? That's not very good. We're going to have to (laughs) dig a little bit deeper, I think, to really bring him in. Okay, well, what if I told you that Michael Kenyon was uh, going around and uh, forcing women to uh, have enemas? That's insane. That's the kind of crime that you think they would have made a movie about. Well, I have some news for you, buddy. What's that? Sean Costello has us covered. Does he? Yes, he does. Uh, well, that's just pivoting back to the porn thing, but uh, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week we're going to talk about the 1977 film Water Power, starring the great Jamie Gillis in a career-defining role. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's just um, crack that bad boy open and tell him about the Enema Bandit. Okay. His name's Bert. Yes, uh, in this film, the Enema Bandit's name is Bert. Because they changed all the names to protect yes. the innocent and the guilty. Yes. The uh, text at the beginning of the film, I'll go ahead and say, says... 
The film you are about to see is based on a true story. Yeah. The names of places and persons have been changed to protect the innocent. But it could have happened anywhere, or to anyone, even to you. Yeah. And true crime is scary. I'm glad we're sticking with movies. <laughs> so uh, we'll be talking a lot more about Bert rather than Michael Kenyon today. Mm-hmm. But um, Michael Kenyon's story was the basis for Sean Costello's water power, mm-hmm. which, to make things more complicated, is credited to Gerard Damiano. Yeah, on the poster and on a couple prints, apparently. Uh, yes. Because uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a Damiano film uh, until you set me straight. Yes, it's uh, it's tricky. That's how they manipulated people. But once you see this film. I think you could also agree that it feels more like a Sean Costello film than a Gerard Damiano film. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's no question about that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, this is a film with quite a cast. Of course, like we've already said, we have Jamie Gillis as Bert, the uh, Illinois Enema Bandit. I guess he's a New York Enema Bandit in this film. Yeah, he's... um... Stalking around 42nd Street. Yeah, he's up in his, his brownstone watching down on you. Yeah. From, uh, for your brown stone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your brown eye. He's up in his brownstone watching for your brown eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have Eric Edwards in here. Uh, C.J. Lang, Marlene Willoughby, Gloria Leonard, Clea Carson. Mm-hmm. Sharon Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, the list of names goes on and on. Even uh, Sean Costello himself <laughs> appears as a police station cop. But uh, this is just what a film, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I think that lays the foundation fairly well. I think it sets the tone for the next hundred episodes of the Raincoat <laughs> Report. <laughs> something we have to live up to uh oh boy well <laughs> i don't know how many water powers there are out there but uh it's hopefully pro- it's infinite it might be good that there's only one yeah i guess so society might be better for it i don't know i mean this the year that water power came out i looked it up and the winner for best picture was annie hall okay for that year so i think the oscars really fucked up yeah, I've never seen Annie Hall, but I have seen Water Power. I can say without a doubt that this is a more uh, misogynistic film than Annie Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say before we uh, move on to the film? No, I think this pivot that we're doing is going to be good. Okay. Are we well, still doing that? Um, I don't know. We'll feel it out. Okay. See how I feel if I get too squeamish about all the... The crime. Well, I hope you don't quit before the end of the 100th episode. Yeah, you're going to have to find another host. 99 and a half episodes in. It's total 100. Once you cross the... We've crossed the mark. We broke the barrier. So it's 100 no matter what. I mean, I guess. Okay. It would just be the unfinished episode. <laughs> and then we would have the 101st one after I come back. Oh, quitting. you think you can quit and come back? Probably, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I'm going to look at my options while we go to break. Okay, well, we'll take a break, and then we'll be back to talk about water power. 
Now then, the secret to maintaining proper health, and therefore an obedient temperament, is to properly cleanse the body of all vile humors. That's exactly what we propose for, um, what's the patient's name, nurse? Pamela, doctor. For Pamela, yes. Please, doctor. I'm all right. Really, I am. I don't need this. Please, just let me go home. Nonsense, Pamela, dear. Now, you've got to have courage, courage. Now, Pamela, I'm afraid that you're going to have to be gagged for this procedure. Otherwise, you might cry out, and we wouldn't want other people misunderstanding now, would we? Well, I look forward to the future where we address this whole global warming thing by switching all of our energy over to a clean source like water power. I think you'll find that there's both, as we already know, and as our fans will soon learn, there's clean water, which is good, and there's brown water, <laughs> which is very bad. But uh, I don't think there's any point in uh, dilly-dallying, so let's uh, so the floodgates open. Boss, take us away. So let me go ahead and take a step back. And... Let me take a, a step back with Boss. <laughs> Let me take a step back and explain that Water Power is a film that may not exist in its complete form anywhere in the world. Uh, and because of that, there hasn't been a recent restoration or anything of it. No. There was a DVD put out by Alpha France in France. Mm -hmm. Or Alpha Blue in France. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it has a fairly complete version of the film. In pretty good quality, but it's not complete. And because no. of that, there was a uh, a fan project mm -hmm. to uh, create a, an integral cut of the film that included all of the footage from the film pieced together from various sources. Yeah. So the version that we were delighted with was uh, cobbled together with the uh, Alpha Blue DVD and two different VHS versions. Yeah. I think one's Dutch. Oh, one's definitely Dutch. Their language is so silly that it's unmissable when it's <laughs> in the subtitles. Fair enough. So, sorry, sorry to the Dutch. It's just like a weird combination of German and English, and it just looks like what you would have cartoon characters speak. <laughs> <laughs> You're insulting all of our Dutch listeners. Well, they can they don't like it they can fucking stick their finger in a dike <laughs> uh, that's what they did that little boy he was dutch yeah and his finger rotted off cuz it died from being all wet and cold in the dike <laughs> <laughs> um okay so water power so Water Power, uh, our integral version opened with first some uh, Dutch words on the screen, mm -hmm. but then we cut to an English message that I already read about it being based off the true story and all of that stuff. Uh, but to note, it, it could have happened anywhere or to anyone, even to you. So think about that, listeners, as we dive into this. Could have been you. Even you. Yes, you. And that weird little shirt. <laughs> so we see Bert, again, uh, Jamie Gillis's character, on the street in a crowd. He's uh, mixing with the people as he tends to do. He's a man of the people. Yeah, he, he certainly is a man of the people. He's 
wandering around. He gets a button made of himself. Oh, yeah. I have a button like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got it at the at the street fair, and it was 95 degrees at night, so I'm incredibly sweaty in the picture. <laughs> well, in this one, he's standing in front of, like, a bicentennial flag. Yeah, it's a lot cooler than mine. This is, this is a lot more patriotic. So we see him coming back to his place, and it looks just like you'd imagine Jamie Gillis's place to look. Yeah. It's just a bunch of pornography taped to the walls. Yeah, to the bare brick wall. Yes, and uh, just a TV on top of a box next to a bed. Mm-hmm. He sits on the bed next to the TV and uh, turns the TV on. He looks at it for a moment, but he seems pretty bored of it very quickly, so he reaches into his drawers and pulls out some porn magazines, starts to leaf through them as, you know, again, I could see this being Jamie Gillis's night if he had to be alone for some reason. Yeah, he's just at home. He got a button made and he's had a full day. He's <laughs> going to have an early night. He flips the channels a few times before turning his focus to his telescope which he then uses to start peeping out of his windows. And he watches the stewardess who lives across the way coming home, who never puts her curtains or blinds down. No. It's, uh, and it's Clea Carson. Yes, it is Clea Carson. Looking uh, lovely in this film. Mm-hmm. He watches her as she's getting undressed, and she gets down to her bra. He begs her not to leave the room as he's creepily watching... <laughs> Uh, she walks out, and he's bummed, but then she walks back in, and she opens her bra clasp, but walks out of the room before taking her bra off. He stomps to the other side of his room and looks at some photos he seems to have taken of her in the past. He touches her face, her legs, and her nipple in the photos and kisses one of them, calling it a masterpiece. Yes, these are his beautiful forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion <laughs> we see him walking down the streets he's in you know new york grindhouse district yeah um he walks into a building and we hear a woman answering the phone talking to a customer she mentions to the person on the phone that this is the garden of eden where every adam finds his eve as we pan into the room where this uh, woman is answering the phone, we see that she's just laying in a hammock, and there's uh, a man and a woman sitting on, like, waiting room couches there. Yes. She greets Bert as she hangs up the phone. He tells her that the guy downstairs said that he could look around. She asks if Bert's been here before, and he says no, but he thought he could just look around, and she tells him he can, but not to touch without paying. Um, he can enjoy himself for as little as $10. He asks what that gets him, and she says that he can have 15 minutes with Eve, who she introduces, and this is Sharon Mitchell as Eve. Yes. She gets up and leans into Bert, and Bert pays, and is sent to room six. It's here where we get kind of a look at the people who are waiting in the waiting room, and one of them is Eric Edwards, who's playing the doctor here. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, this isn't a real hospital, though. I have to remind everyone. Yes. As they're as they're listening along 
to not be like me and think that it was cutting between two different places for a minute. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) As Bert and Eve are walking past, there's a nurse in the hallway talking to somebody about suppositories. Bert asks Eve why there's a nurse here and asks if somebody's sick. She explains no and that the nurse is someone who does special requests there. Eve has Bert sit down in the room once they reach it. He asks her another question about the nurse and what she was saying, but Eve tells him to take his clothes off and she'll be right back. We see the nurse then wheeling around a woman in the wheelchair uh, named Pamela. Mm -hmm. The nurse tells her, you'll be a better girl for this, Pamela. You'll find it a most rewarding and pleasurable experience. Yeah, Pamela is long... How you say it? I've never known. Long Jean Silver? John? I don't know how you say it. Okay. But uh, she is mostly known for using her amputated leg to penetrate people in adult films. Yeah. That doesn't happen here. No, it doesn't. Did she have both legs in this? I didn't realize it was uh, Jean Silver. Yeah. So I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. I thought she had legs, but... Maybe there was a prosthetic involved. I wasn't... I was more... There was other things that I was focused on <laughs> right. when she was in scene. Pamela tells the nurse that she's not sure if she needs one, but the nurse says we all do. We cut to Eve, who tells Bert that the $10 deal is a half and half, and uh, she finally throws her top aside, and it starts to blow him. She stops for a moment and asks if he wants dirty talk, and he says yes. We cut to a, uh operating room, we'll call it, with a cot there, mm-hmm. or a little table, and some uh, fluids hooked up to some IVs. The nurse has Pamela take off her robe, leaving her in just some knee-high socks. She was wearing knee-high socks in this, so maybe that... Was to cover the prosthetic, probably. Everything makes so much sense now. Sean Costello is a real artist. He really is. That He created a believable world where I didn't even realize that there might have been a prosthetic leg. <laughs> True artist. Wow. She's again nervous as uh, the nurse tells her that there's nothing to worry about. She has Pamela get on the table and roll over. We cut back to Eve, who's blowing Bert. She compliments his cock a bit, but he seems kind of bored overall. She asks if he wants to fuck her now or come in her mouth. He just mumbles a reply I couldn't quite make out, but after a moment he strokes and comes as Eve licks the head of his cock. Yeah, I will say it kind of felt like in the alpha blue dvd the audio was worse than on some parts of the dutch vhs yes it it was kind of like muffled yeah it was somewhat clean but muffled Mm -hmm. in the alpha blue dvd whereas it was kind of hissy on the vhs but it was more like you could clear clear, yeah but the video quality was obviously like from a dvd to a vhs is pretty obvious right but um i'm glad the fans existed and created this perfect wonder Eve says she loves it, and Bert smears some cum on her face. We cut to the doctor in the waiting room. Again, Eric Edwards. He's just sitting and looking at his watch. We cut back to Eve with Bert. She says he seems like he didn't like it, and he somewhat flatly said it was okay, but 
She said he only got the $10 package. For $25, he could have gotten a bit more. He asks her about the specials, and she says that she's not authorized to tell him and to ask the manager. He asks what the nurse was doing, and she tells him again to talk to the manager and says that they need the room and to get dressed. Yeah, he's like, you're trying to get me fired. I yeah. can't talk about these specials. Right. Only Gloria Leonard and her little web can. Right. So Bert's all put out by this, and we go back to the waiting room where uh, the... The Gloria Leonard. The Gloria Leonard. <laughs> uh, the hostess is how she's credited. Okay. She's talking to someone and says their water sports expert is on vacation. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, I know. The uh, nurse run, they need to have a backup water sports yeah, expert. Yeah, it's like when I couldn't get uh, surgery because the doctor broke his leg. And I was <laughs> like, there's no one else? Come on. But yeah, they should definitely, you always want to have two people that can administer water sports yeah i believe so that's important to an establishment if that's the sort of services you provide yeah in the garden of eden everything should be perfection yes shouldn't have to worry about my water sports specialist being out of town (laughs) the nurse runs out to this waiting room and tells the doctor that they need his experience for this one the doctor says it'll be okay and asks if the patient is prepared the nurse says that she did the best she could, but when she found out the doctor was on duty, she knew he had to give her the full treatment. We cut to Pamela in the little operating room, and the doctor asks about her symptoms. The nurse says, amongst other things, she has an unwillingness to work happily with her peer group, and she refuses to share her toys and is disobedient. I'm glad I didn't catch most of that audio. <laughs> The doctor says she'll be just fine. We cut back to the hostess telling the good boy on the other end, as she puts it, not to wet his pants this time. Bert comes in and asks her about the specials. She asks what he's interested in, but he can't answer. She says she understands he doesn't know which direction to go in. He asks what they have. She lists a bunch of stuff, uh... B&D, S&M, fantasies, fetishes, whipping across knee like mommy used to do, emasculation, infantilism, showers, both golden and brown, obedience training, cross-dressing, high colonics, all cultures, all panty warships. And then he stops her and asks, what was that you said before? Hi? She says, high colonics, and asks if he wants one. And he says, he only wants to know what it is. She says he's in luck because there's one happening right now in the operating theater. As she walks him there, she says that high colonics are in this year. We see the operating room and the doctor stops and asks about Bert watching them through this uh, glass window. (laughs) It's fine. He's a medical student. Yeah, he's a visiting medical student from Geneva is what the the hostess says. The doctor says he likes to have an audience for this sort of procedure. He explains that this girl has a wide range of symptoms, including disobedience. He explains the best sort of treatment for this temperament is to clean the body of all the vile humors. That's what they have in mind for Pamela. Humors. (laughs) Your bile and your... uh... Oh, there's four of them. (laughs) Yeah. There are many humors. I'm going to look them up. Pamela tells them that she's all right 
and she doesn't need this. The doctor says she must have courage, um, but also says that she must be gagged for this procedure as she may cry out. He explains that she's bound to the table so that she can remain still for the enema. She reacts to this, seemingly not knowing uh, what this was about, or at least playing that role. There's two kinds of bile. There's black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, and blood. And those are the humors. So there's four? Yeah, there's four humors. Okay. Like four elements. And they also there's four temperaments that go along. You can be sanguine, choleric, melancholic, or phlegmatic. I feel like you're usually phlegmatic. Yeah, I feel that way. <laughs> Glad we got my humor sorted out. I'm sorry. You can go back to water power now. The doctor asks if she's had an enema before, and he says she's going to enjoy it thoroughly. He talks about enemas being as old as time, talking about the Egyptians and the biblical times. He says in modern times, they use gravity to help water find its proper level. He sets up the enema bags and then talks about selecting the right nozzle for Pamela. Pamela is an uncommon girl, so she needs an uncommon enema, he says. In this case, Pamela gets the inflatable nozzle. He demonstrates pumping it up to ensure no leakage. He introduces the enema solution, including water, a dash of soap, and vodka. Oh, yeah. He uses Vaseline to lube up her anus and then uses some on the nozzle and pushes it in. She moans and thrashes her head a bit. Oh, yeah, because she's also gagged. Yes. The hostess excuses herself because she has to go run the place, but tells Bert that he can keep watching, and he does. So the doctor starts to fill up Pamela and notes that she's taken almost the full liter. Mind over matter, Pamela, he says. You can always take more than you think you can. He then removes the nozzle, and we watch her expel the solution into the bedpan. <laughs> As the it's, doctor is making wild faces, as does Bert. Yes, everything gets very chaotic in this scene. Yeah, really crazy, uh, noisy music, too. Yeah, there's noisy music. She's thrashing around and groaning, and at the same time, uh, Marlene Willoughby is blowing Eric Edwards. Yeah. And uh, he's laughing. Bert's making the craziest faces. Yes, I think he's uh, jacking it. Yeah, he's jacking it. That's right. But we don't really get a good eye for that until uh, towards the end of his session there. Yeah. The nurse tells the doctor to come all over her face, and uh, he does. And we see Pamela still expelling as we see the doctor finishing. And there's some pretty brown streams flying in off screen. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm pretty sure that those are staged. Yeah. Because they seem to be coming from much lower than her... Uh, pelvis yeah there's some fake brown <laughs> but it's not all fake i'll tell you no you just wait listeners yeah hold on to your butts <laughs> we get a bunch of intense thriller music playing through all this sequence and we see bert walking out clearly affected by what he had seen yes he's very he's changed now uh i think a lot of the music was lifted from the score for vertigo Oh, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it felt very familiar, and I had to. I tried to. I did a little digging and found that. Okay. Yeah. We see Bert walking the streets a little bit as this haunting music continues. 
he lets himself into what seems to have been a porn shop and leaves with a brown paper bag of materials. He comes home and throws the porn mags that he had on his bed already onto the ground. Yeah, they're not uh, good enough anymore. Yeah, he wants them away immediately. He pulls out his new magazines and says, Now we're talking fucking enemas. That's where it's at. Yeah. This stuff's for me. Yeah. (laughs) Bert's lines to himself in this film. Some of the best. Some of the best. I really, I wonder if Jamie... Really, his his lines to anybody in this film, yes. I wonder if he improved much of it. I don't know. I I could see this not being uh, word for word scripted out. Yeah. I know uh, that Jamie had wanted to go to be flown out to Illinois to talk to Michael Kenyon. Oh, yeah. uh, His request was denied, unfortunately. (laughs) So he didn't get to go in there and do like a whole like Mindhunter thing on uh, the Enema Bandit and just really get into his head. Wow. I I need to stop for a moment and just say, Jamie Gillis, what a guy. What a. Yeah. What an actor. What a performer. Yeah. He really wanted to be this role. He took acting so seriously and is so obvious because even when he's in his like most paper thin roles and seems to be full of whatever substances as he's acting, yeah. even in those cases, he's a he's a compelling actor. Yeah, he's one of the best. <laughs> We see Bert's neighbor, the stewardess. She's walking down the street and yelling at what appears to be her boyfriend. Uh, it appears from what I can make out of their conversation that uh, he cheated on her. Seems that way. We cut back to Bert talking about enemas more. He notes that the stewardess across the way, she doesn't need this sort of thing. She's perfect already. So he goes to his telescope and peeps on the stewardess more we hear her boyfriend apologizing to her and she finally says after not much pleading that she might be able to forgive him and then she gets down and starts blowing him immediately (laughs) which is a weird way to end an argument i feel like especially one where your boyfriend was cheating on you well she forgave him i i guess so she was thinking about it she's been flying around all week she just wants some dick (laughs) well Bert's watching all of this and he is very bothered that she has a gentleman there and he's telling her you know just talking to himself looking through the telescope Uh, he tells her not to do that as she's kissing him and then she (laughs) drops down and starts to blow her boyfriend Bert's really upset noting that he can tell she's enjoying it we get dramatic music as we cut into her apartment and watch her blow her boyfriend Bert continues to watch as the stewardess takes off her top and climbs onto her her boyfriend who's on the couch making out with him. He's taking it very hard. Bert seems very offended, yes. I thought we were going to be together. He's rubbing his face and being upset. You're letting him stick his cock in you. How could you do that? You are different. We see her boyfriend fucking her from behind, spooning her on on their sides on the couch. After a while, he pulls out and comes on her pubes. We cut to Bert. I know what to do. I know what you need. I'll fix you. We cut to Bert, who uh, we get this plot device now where he is uh, 
telling his story through diary entries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the first one. Yeah, he's become a uh, Rorschach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's become Doogie Hauser. Yeah. No. <laughs> Doogie Hauser keep everything in the diary? I'm pretty sure, didn't he, like, type a diary at the end of the episodes, like, summing up the... I never watched it. I but might be mixing that up with a different show. There's Ghost Rider. <laughs> that was different. <laughs> that was a ghost, but also a bunch of text that would attack the screen. Yeah. Well, all the same. We need to get more patrons on our Patreon so they can pay us to solve the mystery of the Ghost Rider. Yeah. That's a good point. I think it's a cold case at this point. I don't think that show's been on in like 20-something years. Maybe we should have gotten on the true crime train from the beginning. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, The pivot's fine. It's working. I can tell. Yes, these next hundred episodes, it's all true crime. Yeah. It's going to be what takes us to the top. The next crime we cover will be... It's going to involve Ron Jeremy, but it's not going to be about his main crimes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That crime. That other crime. Mm Mm-hmm. Bert's cutting out a picture of the stewardess's head and sticking it on the picture of a woman in an enema magazine that he got. Uh, we see him with an enema bag. It's like a montage of him living the uh, enema fantasy life. Yeah. He's talking about how she was pure and different, but he knows what to do to her yeah. because all that's changed now. He's become the bandit. He didn't force her. She let him do it, referring to... The stewardess and her boyfriend. Bert wouldn't want her if she's dirty, but he can clean her out. She can be pure again. He'll clean out her humors. After it's over, she'll thank him. We see Bert sneak out his window, which I have no idea why he sneaks in and out of his window in this scene. It doesn't some, make any sense to me. So none of his neighbors see him coming and going. I don't know. but he doesn't, I, I guess that could be he it. He doesn't wear a mask. Right. <laughs> during any of these crimes. <laughs> There are a lot of questions left on the table in this film, but it's okay. It's it's a ride to go on. Yeah, keep riding. He creeps around the outside of the stewardess's uh, apartment or little building, whatever she's in. He starts to open the window, but uh, the phone rings. The stewardess answers the phone, and apparently her work wants her to go on a run to Seattle at the last moment. She's all pissed off about it, but she finally agrees as she closes the window and locks it. She then heads to the shower as Bert's leering from the window outside. He then uses a butter knife to slip into the window and uh, unlatches the lock. You think that works? Um, On poorly designed windows, perhaps? I feel like today's windows probably have protections for that. I don't, don't know. Have, I don't know. I'm going to... Let's find out. That'll be one of our mysteries we solve. Can I we'll... break into Boss's house with a butter knife? I feel like we would just pick a stranger's. Can I break into... Let's break into uh, your next door neighbor's house because you kind of know them. <laughs> so they wouldn't be that upset. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make it worse? <laughs> no, it's fine. We're just They'll understand that we were doing it for like goofs. <laughs> that we weren't like trying to hurt them so Bert lets himself in and picks up a cigarette of hers that's still smoking and he uh takes a drag on it before putting it out it's pretty cool very uh, uh, psychotic 
we get some background where the TV is on, and there's some woman who calls a man a pig on it. That much I could make out, but it was kind of muffled. Yeah. I think he was saying it was okay for a man to be a pig. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think there was some stuff like that. We see Bert pull out his gun and approach the bathroom where we've been cutting to see the stewardess showering. We then see Bert pop his way into the shower curtain, pointing his gun at her. She cries out, and he has her turn off the shower. He then points the gun at her head and starts to babble about her being a whore and how he thought she was good. Uh, there's some wild, spacey disco noise happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, then Bert pulls out his dick and tells her to get up on her knees and tells her that he knew she was bad, and she knows it too. We see some cuts back to her sex scene with her boyfriend. He makes her say that she's a whore and grabs her by the hair. He explains he's really upset as he's stroking his cock. He tells her to suck it, saying that he saw that she was good at it. As she does suck it, he tells her not to pretend she doesn't like it, and he thrusts into her mouth as he's calling her a dirty bitch. She stops for a moment, then he grabs her by her hair and screams at her not to stop. He bends her over on the floor next to the toilet, saying that she loves that, and he starts to fuck her doggy style, calling her a tramp. He makes her say that she loves getting fucked, and then we cut to him filling up an enema bag. He tells her that he hopes this works so he doesn't have to kill her. He forces her to get on all fours in the bathtub and it, she's has or actually no on the floor. All his dialogue is just like so horrible, but it just also makes me laugh at the same time. It's one of those things where I'm just like Phew. This film has this Toby Hooper referred to the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre as being a comedy. Yeah. Uh, and he referred to the type of humor as being red humor, where it, where something kind of like vile and edgy just pushes the limits so much that it becomes funny. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if red humor would be the right term for this, but this film has this like... It's got brown humor. Yeah. <laughs> It has, yes, that's perfect. That's the perfect term for it. Like, there's this intensity to everything that's, like, almost unsettling. Yeah. But there's, everything's just a little too weird for me not to just think it's funny. Like, he plays, like, a perfect, like, psycho, but he'll also just say the most, just the kind of insane stuff that just makes you laugh just from how uh, absurd and, yeah, just kind of edgy that it is. Right. Like, that's uh, obviously objectively a terrifying situation he's put her in. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's like, I need to make sure all the bad stuff's out or I'm going to have to kill you. There's also one of the scenes later, which we'll get to, uh, yeah. one of the women is practically laughing the whole time. <laughs> um, so it it gives it a weird, uh, yeah. a weird tone, <laughs> this whole film, really. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he forces her to get on all fours on the floor, uh, and she's hesitant, and she gasps a bit as he forces the nozzle of the enema into her ass. She tells him to get it out of her, and she pulls away as the water starts to spray a bit, and he grabs her. He tells her maybe that was enough. 
Then he tells her to sit on the toilet at first, but then he has her get on all fours in the bathtub. And we watch her expel a dirty mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, the first uh, one was so clean. Right. Uh, as Bert's stroking and he comes above and uh, onto her ass. She cries out and he tells her, that's very good. He tells her now she's clean and much better. He says he'll be watching all the time and he'll make sure that it worked. He tells her that she needs to be good or he'll be back and notes that they can even maybe be friends. <laughs> Great. We see him climbing back into his uh, window in his apartment, panting and mumbling things like bitch and cunt and pig. He then says that she'll be better now and he thinks that he'll check in on her. We then cut to the streets and we see a man walking. It's the police captain, and he gets stopped by John or Jack. Uh, he's credited as Jack, but they call him John every time they say his name in the film, so whatever. They're interchangeable. So John notes that he was taken off of homicide as he stops the captain. The captain says he's putting John on a rape case, something that needs special attention. John's worried that this is going to affect an upcoming promotion or something. Uh, but the captain assures him that it'll be good for him. We then cut to Bert, who's uh, laying down, uh, perhaps sleeping. We get a bunch of negative footage of cops talking to the stewardess from the point of view of Bert's telescope. Yeah, I think it's supposed to, I guess this is a dream. Like, I think, it, yeah, I think it's supposed to be some sort of... Like a premonition, like an omen. An omen, or if nothing else, like, him maybe having a bit of remorse. Yeah. Or, or at least a like, thought that he's like going an, to get in trouble. Yeah, like a, you know, like a nightmare, guilt dream sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Like, but, I'm not sure if he feels guilty necessarily, no. but at least he feels the threat of getting caught. Yeah. The only thing for that is to just do a couple more crimes and see how it goes. Right. He's got to push it. The doorbell buzzes, indicated by a calamitous noise, uh, and Bert awakens. He goes to hide his enema gear as this person continues to repeatedly ring the bell. Uniquely bad at hiding this enema gear. Yeah, he tries to hide it in a few places and then finally takes the enema bag and tries to flush it down the toilet. Yeah. A woman busts in, and it's Barbara, who is apparently Bert's girlfriend. She yells at Bert, saying that she's been trying to get a hold of him, and he won't answer. She's crying, asking what's going on, but Bert kind of just locks up and doesn't say anything. She asks him to talk to her, saying she's his girlfriend. She asks what's going on, and he finally answers that he'll call her soon. She yells at him, and he finally grabs her and shoves her out the door, screaming at her to get out of here. We cut to the cops, and the captain visits John in the office. He hands John a paper that says that the commissioner promises to capture the rapist in the next 48 hours. And so the captain, like, what I got out of this, it doesn't really make sense with what happened, but the captain tells John that he has 24 hours to figure this out, or he's going to have to pair John with a female detective. Yeah, you don't want to get paired up with a lady. <laughs> so we cut back to Bert with his spoken diary. 
He explains that he's got more enema gear, noting he must prepare for any eventuality. It's true, he must clean these whores out, but he has to do it right. Giving an enema is an important responsibility. After all, it's my job. Yeah, I like that he's taken on, like, a mission now. (laughs) He's fully transformed into the bandit. So we see two women. This is Candy and Ginger. Uh, They've got books, and they're walking down the street talking about boys. Bert catches a view of them, but they scamper off down some stairs. We cut to John in a car with uh, Detective Irene Murray. So, that whole 24 hours, I guess, has passed now. (laughs) Yeah, it was a quick day. Um, And he didn't find the rapist. No, he did not. He's still on the loose. He's at large. Irene explains that it was her case to begin with, and he's just been added to it to help her. She talks about how she has some insight into it, but he notes that she needs the help of a street cop to get it done. We cut back to Bert, who's watching the girls who scampered away before run from the bottom of some stairs and into a house. We then see him lurking around the house and peeking around the windows. Then we cut to John and Irene, who walk into Irene's apartment. He notes that it's a nice place, and she admits that she was the beneficiary of some trust fund. Yeah, her dad set her up. He asks her why she's on the force then, and she explains that she wanted to do it. She gets the two of them some scotch and jokes about him sleeping with his gun on. Meanwhile, we see Bert letting himself into the house that the girls walked into. He snuck into the basement door of this house. The girls are bored, and one of the girls starts to make a move on the other one, who notes that Mom said they shouldn't do this sort of thing. Yeah. But the other one continues to undress her. So it's it's Ginger who's starting this, and Candy is the girl that she is uh, undressing. They start to make out and undress as Bert is leering on. They kiss each other's chests, and Candy starts to go down on Ginger. Bert then approaches them with a gun and has Candy get on her knees and start to blow him. He yells her to, Suck, you fucking lesbian! (laughs) He has Ginger come over and assist, and the girls start sucking his cock and balls. We cut to John and Irene, and he's massaging her ass and working his fingers around her vagina a bit. And then he starts to really get into licking her asshole. Their relationship blossomed really quickly. Yes, it did. (laughs) We cut to them 69ing with uh, Detective Murray doing the blowing. We cut back to the girls blowing Bert. And he says he wants to fuck these, as he puts it, bitches now. He tells them to get on all fours like a dog. And then Ginger says something to the effect of her sister's a virgin, but he pushes Ginger down too. He starts by fucking Candy from behind. Ginger keeps telling him not to hurt her while half-smiling and rubbing Candy's back. He says that he'll be as rough as he needs to be, and he slaps Candy. He says he's going to take her to the bathroom, and he's going to clean her out. We cut back to John railing Irene. She's laying sideways, and he's just knocking the bottom out of it. He pulls out, and he comes on her pubes, and she sucks it a bit more, and we get this, like, extreme close-up of her tongue on the tip. 
Yes. Some really beautiful cinematography. Mm-hmm. We cut back to Bert's party. Um, the girls are tied up, uh, one to the soap dish and one to like a, a towel rack or something. Yeah, something like that. Some fixtures in the shower. They're squirming around as he's trying to penetrate them with the nozzle, but they're like squirming around too much for him to really do anything. Um, but we get some cutaway shots to his hand holding the enema bag in really artful ways. <laughs> <laughs> we finally see one of the girls uh, expelling into the tub, and then the other one really spraying it out. Yeah, and it's um, there's so much brown in this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is quite a mess. Yeah, it's all over the bottom of the tub, and then one of them falls and sits in it. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Constantly, there's just screams of their shit everywhere. <laughs> the girls are cry laughing at this point. Um, and Ginger appears to be smiling just completely. <laughs> he continues to rough them up a bit and then pees on their asses and legs. Yeah. And then we see him come on Candy's tits and he smiles and leans back, seemingly very satisfied. We cut to John and his captain. They're getting lunch at Nathan's Hot Dogs, mm-hmm. which they bring up they're eating. Yeah, they're the best hot dogs. I yeah. hope that this was a sponsorship deal. They look good. They're a little bit longer than the bun. That's how you uh, do it right. So you know it's a Nathan's. The captain is wanting to use Detective Murray to do some undercover sting. But when John refers to her as Irene, the captain gives him a lecture about not letting things get too personal between him and Detective Murray. It's agreed that Detective Murray will drop her handkerchief as the signal for when the cops should move in. We cut to Bert writing his diary again, and he's talking about this being an addiction. He needs to clean these bitches out. In his diary, Bert mentions that the newspapers are calling him a rapist, but nobody's going to stop him. We cut to John trying to talk to Irene about this sting. She says that she's a good cop and she doesn't need his concern. She has to do it. They confirm that they know the signal of her dropping the handkerchief as he drops her off to do this uh, sting We then see Irene waiting around next to a phone booth, and basically immediately Bert approaches her, and uh, we don't hear them, but they're chit-chatting for a moment. Some guy is harassing John as he's waiting in the car and distracts him from watching Irene. So he doesn't see her drop her handkerchief as she walks away with Bert. We then cut to Bert being led into Irene's apartment with her, He asks if she takes guys home off the street all the time. She doesn't really answer, but she offers him a drink and a smoke, and he declines both. He makes some comment asking if she's a tramp and uh, talks about how girls shouldn't act like that. She tells him that she's going to change, and he asks if she's going to get naked, which she doesn't answer. When she walks away, he starts to check her bag and immediately finds her badge. Yep. And uh, some tense space disco music plays. Yeah, and her gun. Oh, yes. That's important. Yes. We see John walking around. He doesn't know where she is. We cut to Irene returning to the room in a robe. I thought there was supposed to be a bunch of different cops like watching this stakeout. 
Yeah, you. They actually said that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, there would be other people as backup. You shouldn't get the most easily distracted cop in the world to <laughs> do your stakeout. Right. He was just arguing with some dude who just came up to the window to hassle him. Right. We cut to Irene returning to the room in a robe. Bert tells her that she lied to him and says she must know who he is. He tells her that she's dishonest and she says someone's coming here soon. He tells her to take her robe off and she does, revealing her in just a pair of fairly conservative panties. Mm-hmm. He points the gun at her and grabs handcuffs and tells her to turn around and he handcuffs her. We see John speeding around the town. At first I couldn't figure out exactly why he seems to know where to go, but then I realized they're in Irene's apartment, so I guess he knew that she was going back there at some point. Yeah, I suppose so. If he was, she was Well, he was supposed to move in when she dropped the handkerchief. Right. But, uh... He did not. He was too busy talking to weird people he downtown. Too busy talking to strangers about Nathan's hot dogs. Right. <laughs> Bert points his gun at Irene and asks if she likes her job and if she likes tricking people and lying to people. He has her bite an apple and tapes it in her mouth to gag her. We get more John speeding around and then Bert grabs Irene's legs. He tells her that he's sorry that she lied to him. He said that he thought that she was pretty and maybe they could have been friends later after he purified her, but she lied to him. He also notes that she wears whore panties and he rips them off. Yeah, even though you're a cop, you wear whore panties. Yeah. (laughs) He tells her that she really should be punished and he has her hands cuffed behind her back and uh, starts to whip her with his belt. He then asks her if she's ever had an enema. He says that she must like enemas because she could have not agreed to meet him. He says that he bets that she thought a lot about him giving her an enema, and she's been waiting to meet him. He reaches down and notes that she's wet. She must be excited about getting an enema from the enema bandit. (laughs) He says they could have been friends, but it's too late. He says that they're going to find her, but not him. And even if they find him both, she'll be dead. He's going to take care of that. He brings her into the bathroom and uh, stops her from escaping as he's filling up the enema bag. John's driving super fast, but again, way, way far behind. We cut to Bert bottomless in the bathtub behind Irene, giving her an enema while stroking his cock as he does. Irene moans with her apple gag in her mouth. After a bit, she pulls forward and some water spurts out. He tries to force it back in, but then throws it aside and starts to fuck her, and then he pumps some more water into her ass. We see her shooting water out onto his cock as he's stroking and he comes. Yeah. John is... This is exactly what he's been waiting for. Yes. Yes. John is speeding around more. Still too far behind. Yes. Bert's pumping up the inflatable nozzle as demonstrated earlier. I would assume they left on foot, right? To go back to her apartment? You would think. How far is it that he's been driving this entire time? <laughs> I mean, they could have gotten into they could have his got a car cab. or something. I, th- or I don't think cab. Bert has a car. He he doesn't even use doors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes through the window and just walks around and gets his pictures of himself made. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keeps a diary. Very strange man. 
Bert's pumping up the inflatable nozzle, and he puts the other end of the hose on the faucet, and he says now he can fill her up with as much as he wants, and she can't do anything about it. We cut to John running up the stairs into Irene's building. Then we see Irene moaning in the bathtub, and then cut to Bert, who's casually walking out of the building. John finds Irene still bound and crying in the tub. He unties her and walks out with her. We cut to shots of Bert in red light flashing, possibly police lights that he's looking at. He stares at the camera, and then we get a set of text on the screen that was impossible to make out, but based on the context, I believe it says, in the last year there were 13,468 reported rapes in the United States. Of these, only 2,354 have been solved. And then that was the end. (laughs) That's it. So that was Water Power. Powerful, powerful film. The Power of the Future. Yes. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our thoughts on Water Power. January 21st. Animals have become the most important thing in my life. What started as a simple act of vengeance has mushroomed into an addiction. I need to clean out these bitches as much as they need to be cleaned. The newspapers have blown this out of proportion. They say I'm a rapist. They say I'm evil. They say I should be caught and put away. But I'm not going to stop. I don't care how many cops come after me. I don't care. They're not going to stop me. I'm not letting anyone stop me. So a little warm. You're always a little warm. Yeah, run hot. <laughs> what can I say? All right, well, welcome back to the Raincoat Report. Water power. I'm going to take it and run with it while I'm hot. Okay, run with it while you're hot. <laughs> um, wow, this film is something else. Yes. It really... I didn't do a ton of research. Like, I read up about, uh, you know, Michael Kenyon a little bit and his crimes. Right. I listened to Frank Zappa's song, uh, which is probably the deepest dive I went into it. (laughs) The (laughs) Illinois Enema Bandit is the title of the song. Yeah. I don't know what I expected going into this film, but it was not at all what uh, I witnessed. (laughs) I don't know what I expected. I think the other famous enema we'd seen up to this point was the one in Pretty Peaches. Right. That one's played for a lot of laughs. Right. This movie has some laughs, but nothing in it really is played for jokes. Right. Um, It's actually a pretty interesting kind of, uh, sort of like a character study a little bit. Yeah. About... uh, Bert the Enema Bandit and his uh, transformation from a uh, kind of a lonely uh, outcast into a man with a holy mission. <laughs> a uh, mission for holes, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, whether that's good or bad is, I guess, up to the audience. I'm going to say it's bad, though, because of all the rape. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, Sean Costello does a really good job of making a... Uh, a pretty uh, tight and tense character study out of an adult film. Yeah. This one is, uh, it reminded me a little bit of uh, a little bit of Taxi Driver, um, a little bit of Christmas Evil, even though I think that came out, that was a couple years later. Yeah, I think so. Most of the movies it reminds me of are actually movies that came out after, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Like, it makes me think of uh, a little bit of like Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, and just how... 
Yeah. And just sort of the kind of ultra grimy world of like any Abel Ferrara film. Yeah. Uh, it, it does a lot of that and it does it all surprisingly well. And I think most of that is definitely due to Jamie's uh, unparalleled acting chops. Right. He carries this film. Uh, not to say any of the other performances are bad, but you don't get as much screen time with anyone as much as you get with him. And uh, his transformation, I think, is uh, it's not wholly believable mm-hmm. and because he sees like one enema and like just becomes a maniac. Right. But uh, it's interesting to get that kind of character development, like I said, in an adult film where um, I think once we cut break, you said we talked about like the film plot, like for like almost an hour straight, which is a lot for us. Right. Uh, so there's a lot in there. And to see him kind of go from this directionless uh, outcast to a vigilante of uh, a whole vigilante is <laughs> <laughs> really something. Uh, it's a very dark, kind of grim film. Like, even though there's stuff where uh, the actors and stuff are laughing, there's not really like any levity like in the film itself. Right. Because you're seeing... Uh, what you're seeing is like just people being violated for about 90 minutes straight. Right. Um, and it doesn't look away from any of that. And then the ending itself is pretty, uh, pretty grim. Yeah. There's, there's no yeah. justice in this case in the real world. He was arrested and, uh, jailed for not very long, actually. I think like six years. I think the story is that because of how like stupid the laws were back then, yeah. then, Giving women enemas wasn't a crime. Okay. And he was actually just uh, charged on robbing them. Okay. So, yeah. uh, Very bizarre. I think I do really wish that Jamie Gillis had got to go and interview him because I would give anything to read that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I would give anything for us to be able to do a dramatic reading of it. (laughs) Uh, But this film... uh, like I said at the beginning, I don't think we could have picked a better film for our 100th episode. It's got a little bit of everything I like in it. Right. It's got some freaky uh, outlandish sex that um, we don't see quite as often as I'd like, but I can't think of really a film that's maybe that we've covered that's just as grimy as this one. Right. Um, I'm racking my brain, but nothing else really feels like this like dirty while you're watching it. Yeah. Uh, beyond the brown water uh, <laughs> floods. <laughs> um, so for me, I think it was it was a real hit. I enjoyed myself the whole time. I'm going to give it stinking 4.5. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I would definitely say check it out. It took us 100 episodes to get to it. But uh, if you're dropping in, if this is your first one, maybe it should be the first one you check out. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like this movie could make a good argument against pornography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If if somebody was like on the fence about whether or not they wanted to look into the pornography of the past, I think sending them to this one might give them the wrong idea. Yeah, it's like if uh if I wanted to send you to check out Italian film, I'd be like, check out Solo. That's the place to start. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, 
I have to say that this film blew me away. Yeah, as um, intended. I kind of had an expectation that this would be something more similar to the seduction of Lynn Carter, maybe. Okay. And perhaps a bit less plot than that I was expecting for some reason. Sure. It could very easily just been like a series of like dull sex scenes where like an enema is involved. Like just some scenes of him going around and giving women enemas without really any other plot going on. Yeah, just like being like a sneaky Pete. Right. Just sneaking in at night and pumping up their buttholes. Right. <laughs> but uh, instead, we got something that like overachieved in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you described it well as a character study. Mm-hmm. I think that overall it has a lot of uh, plot holes, and some may be explained by footage just straight up not existing. Yeah. Because even in this like fan-restored version... There's still some weird cuts from time to time. Yeah. This is probably close to everything, but they also might have like a whole thing of the uh, detective investigating for a day. See, I don't... That was something I meant to bring up when I was talking about it, was that the detective and C.J. Lang's character do feel kind of just sort of dropped in. And no, they're not like the main characters of the whole thing. Right. And she just sort of exists to be like the final victim. Right. But... Their appearance is a little bit more thin, I think, than uh, is warranted right. for what they're supposed to be doing. Cause it, yes. It does feel like, I think at one point, it says like they're going to talk to the stewardess and they never get there. They just end up fucking. Right. Um, which is also fun. It was a good scene. There was some accordion music in it, I think, that was driving <laughs> me insane for a minute. But... Yeah, this film, you know, it has like plot holes there and like when they decide to like, go on a sting for the Enema Bandit. She just stands there, and within a minute, the Enema Bandit walks up to her. He's on the prowl. It's Jamie. I mean, (laughs) he's on the prowl, but, like, there wasn't an understanding of where exactly he was to the corner. And previously, he hadn't really been going out and, like, picking up, like, uh, sex workers or anything. He just went to people's homes. He'd just been doing home invasions. (laughs) I don't know. It seems like a lot happened in that 24 hours that we weren't privy to. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the film. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm just thinking about how there are like a half a dozen headlines about him in the film. But <laughs> everything seems to occur within like maybe like two or three days. Right. <laughs> I'm still giving it a 4.5. These details mean nothing to me. So, yeah. I mean, it's just it's kind of like stuck together and. It's not necessarily the most technically competent film, although I would say that it is at least at the level of technical competence. It's at the level of technical competence for a film about a CD loner who gives enemas. It has the feel of that kind of like budget, like that last house on Dead End Street sort of low budget griminess to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just outstanding (laughs) we get the attempt at a character study of jamie that's a bit thin but is more than exceptional in the genre yeah i try to rate everything i kind of i don't want to like go by like mainstream standards where they don't have to like break to have sex scenes every now and then right that's not fair and if they did that all the films would be like two and a half hours long yeah for sure but 
Jamie's whole thing is compelling. He does a lot of muttering to himself, saying crazy things. It's fun. His whole thing is an obsession. Yes, his whole thing is an obsession. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I have definitely cast uh, some level of uh, unhappiness with films that were rapey in yeah. the past, for sure. This film just has this weird aura to it from frame one that makes me just enamored with everything that happens in it. <laughs> and I will say some of those films that we like talk about and kind of judge for being a little like rapey in those movies, it's kind of presented as like not a big thing in these. It is at least a crime. Like there right. are cops investigating it. So right. I think that kind of tempers it a little bit. Sure. Instead of it just being like a slasher or something where he's just like raping his way through with, uh, no one really uh, caring, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. Uh, like, yeah, you brought up seduction of Lynn Carter. Like, but a bunch of bad stuff happens to her, and uh, everyone's just like, "This is cool. This is fine." Right. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Uh, this film took me on a ride. I did not know where it was going, and uh, I mean, I knew the subject matter going in. Of course, that's yeah. why I uh, picked it out for this episode. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, very pleasantly surprised because I think I do have to say my expectations were fairly low. Uh, I thought it was at least going to be amusing for its subject matter. And, you know, you throw Jamie Gillis in there and there's a certain level that you're going to expect if he's in a bigger role. But uh, this overachieved and Mm -hmm. I'm sad that uh, there is not a restoration of like a complete version of this out there because maybe, it'd be wonderful. Maybe one day we'll get it. It does seem, I wonder if those like elements that are just on VHS are just things that were too extreme. Like there's a goal, like it's a movie about enemas, but there's like golden showers and stuff. And some of it's just like extraneous plot. Right. I wonder if that was just cut for like time reasons by Alpha Blue or if it was stuff they didn't have in their like film elements when they so it, i it's probably stuff that like was just cut from the french release of the mm, film or something would, yeah that makes sense too i don't know it's it's hard to tell but it, you know at the end of the day because from three different formats there were three different sets of scenes you can tell that um time was not kind to this film and yeah. it got butchered wherever it went yeah even if some of it seems to be just plot <laughs> right. and perhaps we're missing like 10 minutes of actual plot in this yeah. movie. I think um, Costello had said that originally they released it and it was like a 71 minute cut that mm-hmm. wasn't very like well received. And they went back later and did, he said like maybe like 86 or 87 minutes. And I think this one comes out to about like, it's like 81 one. or something. So there might be about four or five minutes of plot we're not seeing that might tie the whole thing up uh, with a nice bow. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's an extra enema scene in there. I don't know. I want the scene where CJ Lang gets so full of water she explodes. <laughs> She's been hooked up to the enema machine for days. <laughs> well, hopefully that'll come out one day. But in the meantime, we have uh, this uh, fan cut. It was uh, described as the ultimate enema cut. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, but for this cut, I have to give it four and a half stars as well. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad we're in agreement on this, our 100th episode. 
it's something that I would not recommend as your first journey into this, but if you're down the road a bit, I think it's essential watching. Mm-hmm. If you're um, ready for it. Um, I'm ready. Well. I already saw it. Right? Well, I'm ready to remind our listeners about patreon.com slash raincoat report, mm-hmm. where you can sign up for our Patreon for $5 a month, get two bonus episodes, we just uh, released last week our Pornhub roulette uh, number three, where we dived into the depths of Pornhub and discussed some various topics, or in Jeremy's case, one topic in I've great covered, detail. I covered one topic in a very, say, exhaustively academic way. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, quite something, and I went in a few different directions, but uh, it's... One of our more uh, fun journeys that we go on on a regular basis together. Yeah. And I look forward to more in the future. Sick, sick world, and we hope you'll join us. Yes. Uh, Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on social media at Raincoat Report on Instagram and Twitter. Email us at raincoatreport at gmail.com. Jeremy, do you have any parting words? Well, um, if we're going to... Break into your your neighbor's apartment, tie her up, and force an enema on her. Don't forget your raincoat. Oh, yeah. Things are going to get wet. <laughs> See you. Bye. Love you. Brown water. Brown water. Brown water.